Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 66 of Business Therapy, a show about exploring the intersection of mindfulness and business. Every week, we sit down with business professionals from all walks of life to discuss how business success can always be balanced with a conscious and grounded perspective. This week, we're happy to have Christian De La Huerta on the show. Welcome, Christian. Hey, uh, Sam. Hey, John. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. So Christian has written the book, Awakening the Soul of Power, and he's got a lot of great content to talk about in terms of different power dynamics. And we're excited to have him on the show for a conversation about all of the different topics that his book covers and anything else we can fit in today. So Christian, I would love for you to just start us off with an intro to yourself. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about the book. We have been doing um, coaching retreat facilitation for over 30 years. You know, live events mostly up until three years ago were like so many of us. I had to pivot and create virtual online programming. Now I'm starting to do a little bit of both. I'm just starting live events again, and, and I'm excited about that. The book, you know, is one of the one of the blessings for me of of the pandemic, without minimizing the all the tragedy around it. Uh, but for me, I've been brewing this book in my head for 10 years, and I went from 100,000 miles on an airplane a year to nothing. Uh, so it forced me to butt, you know, sit my butt down and get this book out of my head um, and get it published. Um, and I think most of us struggle with issues around power. There's, there's a part of us that wants it, desires it, and there's a, another part of us that's afraid of it. And, and the more that I speak with people about it and dive into understanding this issue, I think what we fear is that if we really owned our power, if we really stepped into it, that other people might not be able to handle it and what we might end up alone, rejected, and, you know, that's no fun. Um, I think we also fear that we might abuse it. Like, and no wonder how many abuses of power have we witnessed and experienced and been a part of. And, and then on top of that, we've been conditioned to believe that power is a bad thing. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. What they d- didn't tell us about that quote is that Lord Acton uh, was speaking specifically about political power, not personal power. So we've gotten conf- confused around that. And then when we add to the mix that all of us, but particularly men, have been conditioned to believe that the emotions are weakness. And so we, we run away from our emotions. We, we hate confrontation. We avoid conflict. What happens is that we end up giving our power away, our innate, inherent power that no one can give to us and no one can take away. We are the only ones who give it away. And, and the saddest part for me around this is that we, we, the, the reasons for, we, for which we give it away, like we, we say yes, when inside it's really a no. Inside it's really not okay with us. But we override our feelings, our preferences, our thoughts, our beliefs, our dreams. And we settle for less. We settle for, we settle for an illusion of acceptance, a false sense of security and crumbs of pseudo love. So not a good strategy. Mm-hmm. You have so many, there's so many rich topics within that, that uh, intro that, that you just gave. But can you start off with just uh, maybe a definition or an explanation of, pow- of what you mean by power? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that in the, the Latin root and in some, you know, in, in several languages, um, there's a connection between power and, and to be able to. Like in Spanish, poder means both power and to be able to. So there's a sense of having our own agency, of, of 
of being able to, you know, having the courage, the willingness to be who we are and to do what we feel called to do in this world. Um, and, you know, as we started to talk about in, in the, before we started recording, um, the book is for everybody, but it has a particular message for women uh, around women's empowerment. And that's because I am convinced that the empowerment of women is the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world. And, and it's not to idealize women. It's not to put women up on a pedestal. Women also abuse power. It's because the balance the, the, in this world of ours, as a species, we've been running so off kilter between that masculine and the feminine energies, which, you know, much to the surprise of some humans, course through every one of us, no, no matter what kind of body we're in, because it's the, it's that balance of the masculine and the feminine. It's, it's present in all of the cosmos and all, in all the universe. For some reason, we're, we're, we as humans have decided that the feminine is weakness. And there's so many misunderstandings and, and wrongness and, and those conclusions, which we can get into if we want to. Um, but it, but it also, I also included, added a chapter about what it means to be a man in the 21st century. Because men also pay a price for this hierarchical power over my way or the highway, uh, cowboy mentality of, of the relationship to power. But you're, 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 you're expressing that kind of tension between like not abusing power or, you know, hierarchical power versus enabling your own power. Yes. So how do you see, maybe, maybe like, what's an example of, 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 letting your power come out and uh, what would be an example of maybe power that's more abusive? Well, I, you know, I talk about like as a part of the way that we reclaim our power and solve this ambivalent relationship that we have with it is understanding that there are different types of power. So in the book, I talk about how there's worldly power or ego power, the way that the world relates to power. So most of us, tend to associate power with people who have, who are famous, they're, they're wealthy, they're high up in some corporate ladder, some corporate hierarchy. But the thing about all those expressions of power is that because they're external, they're outside of us, they're fickle, right? Here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, that external worldly kind of power is always has an agenda. So it's always trying to get something for itself or to prove how powerful it is or how filling the blank it is. Um, and in contrast with what I call spiritual power or soulful power, our authentic internal power that, that's found in each and every one of us. Um, and, and it has nothing to prove. Um, and, and nobody can take it away. Nobody can give it to us. And it's humble. And, and rather than being about self-service, about having an agenda, it's about service. It's about making a difference in the world. And it's no less powerful. In fact, I think it's more powerful. Uh, so one is more about hierarchy, about power over, um, you know, fear, force, domination, manipulation. The other one is just about self-expression. And I think of, I think of a Gandhi. Or a Gandalf, you know, from the Lord of the Rings, in their simple monastic robes, their sandal feet. From looking at them from the outside, you'd never know how much power they hold until it's needed, until it's necessary. And then get out of the way. Um, Gandhi brought the British Empire to its knees when it was at its highest point in terms of global reach and, and influence. And he did that without ever shooting a, a gun or landing a single punch. That's power. And 
What would you say uh, is, or maybe what are some of the reasons that someone wouldn't in, allow their own power to be expressed, their, their spiritual power? Well, what would inhibit them from doing that? You know, fear of rejection, self-acceptance, um, self-doubt. You know, so to, and, and, and I want to say, too, that I'm a very unlikely person to be speaking about empowerment and what it means to live heroically in the 21st century because I know self-doubt. I know self-hatred. You know, my entire adolescence was one long depression. And flash forward to today, like no matter the, the details of my life, the circumstances, whether a relationship works out or it doesn't, whether a project succeeds or it fails, never, ever do I question my sense of worth. Like that is established and unshakable. And, and I know that if that can happen in me, it can happen in anybody. So... It's all intertwined with, with self-expression, uh, being all of who we are. It's all part of expressing our own power. Mm -hmm. And as far as the, we, we started to talk about the need for female empowerment. And as a balance, you said you'd added a chapter about male empowerment. But typically, yeah. I guess in today's culture, people don't think about males needing more empowerment. But before we talk about why that is and why that might be a misconception for sure. Can you give us just a little bit of background on why females are in such a state of imbalance in the world today and why their empowerment is so paramount? Thank you so much for, for bringing me back to that, Sam. Um, yeah, I, th I think when women are in 50% of power, um, we're going to have a very different relationship and we're nowhere near close to 50%. I mean, not even in our own uh, national leadership. We're not even close to 50% in the U.S. Uh, and so I believe that when women are in 50% of power, we're going to have a very different relationship to war and poverty and hunger and education and social justice and how we treat the environment and, and to all of it. So it's my, my thinking about this is it's not about making one superior to the other. Um, it's, it's, it's more about finding that balance uh, because I think women innately have a, a, a deeper connection to life, you know, just physiologically, cellularly. Um, and so I, I, I believe that. To me, it's a, like a strategic thing, strategic thinking. When, when women are in 50% of power, then, you know, maybe that's, that's what I think needs to happen if we're going to dig ourselves out of this hole that we have collectively dug ourselves into. Mm -hmm. And why do you think that women are so, I, I guess, you know, there's a lot, this is a very big topic, but from your background and your research, why are women on the back foot right now? Why is it that women are, are not represented equally and why do we feel like they need to be lifted up? How did we get here, basically? Well, 6,000 years of, or however many thousand years of, of patriarchy. Um, you know, and, and it started we, before we had a God, we had a goddess. Um, but then when the patriarchy came around um, and those um, goddess based traditions, the more indigenous based traditions all over the world were exiled. And, and it was a conscious thing. Like if, if we look at how many of the Christian temples, you know, just to use one example, were were built on sacred mounds of indigenous traditions um you know so it was so it's like a supplanting of of the spiritual energy that was thought to be held in those in those physical environments um and you know we went from a mostly matriarchal um societies 
to patriarchal ones all over the world. Um, and the feminine was then considered to be weakness, was considered to be less than. Um, and, you know, a couple of, it's a faulty assumption because we want to talk power. If we want to talk resilience, we want to talk courage. Let's talk about the power of creation that resides in a female body. Um, and there's a you know story that stole. I, I didn't see it happen, but but I read about this um, Betty White, you know the the actress who left us uh, last year, right about this time actually. Um, so apparently she was being interviewed in in one of those multiple you know celebrity interviews, and somebody said something about having balls, and she goes, "Wait a minute, um, how do we get this connection between having balls and courage? You thump those little things, and the guy collapses, bends over in pain. You want to talk courage, strength, resilience? Let's talk vaginas. Those things take a pounding. Um, <laughs> um, and but more seriously, this is not putting men down. Obviously, um, this is just a, a call to for balance and a call to reclaiming the power that is in the feminine. Um, and not only for the for the sake of the women in our lives, um, but for all of our sake, um, because, you know, as we started to talk about men also pay a price like I mean, it's not even to begin to compare the price that women have paid in, in you know, during these years, thousands of years of, of patriarchy and the suppression of women. There's, there's still cultures in the world where women have to walk five feet behind their men. Um, and not allowed to drive. And, and even in this country, that we're far from equal. Um, it's like, to, not to get into all the, the political and legal stuff that's going on, but it's, it's still an issue. Um, and, and this whole transgender thing that, that, that is being politicized, it's really about gender. It's really about the feminine and this, this threat of the feminine. Uh, but to complete the thought about the price that men pay, um, you know, the, the rate, let's look at some, at some numbers. The rate of suicide in the U.S., for, men commit suicide four times as frequently as women do. Hmm. In fact, 70% of the suicides in the U.S. are committed by middle-aged white men, which are pretty clearly, as from, at least from my perspective, still hold the majority of the power in this world. And, and also, the, let's look at longevity. Women outlive men by five years in the U.S. We look at the numbers globally at seven years. So what is that? You know, that's, that's really interesting because one would think that the power that holds the majority, that the group that holds the majority of the power in the world would have more privilege, would have healthier, you know, longer lives. But no, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. And so when I look at that, I think it's because of the price we pay for this misunderstanding, this limited and limiting way of what it means to be a man. And, and because we've been conditioned since we were kids, you know, little boys don't cry. Um, to think that, to believe that the emotions are weakness, um, that we walk around like uncaring, unfeeling robots, and we think that's powerful, we think that's strength. That's not, that's, this is prison. You know, this is such an imprisoning way of, of looking at what it means to be a man. Um, and, and there's a price to pay for that because what used to be spiritual teaching that everything is energy. Now we know from quantum physics that, hey, everything is energy. So that means there's this chair I'm sitting on, there's this mic in front of my face, the body, even though it might feel solid, it's vibration, it's energy. The emotions are energy. And we know from physics, energy can't be destroyed. 
It can only change forms. So all those countless times throughout our lives that we have stuffed our emotions, that we haven't allowed, we haven't allowed ourselves to express what we were feeling, that stuff doesn't go away. It, it gets lodged in the tissues and, and the body. And after a lifetime of doing that, we walk around with layers and layers and more layers of repressed emotional crap and unhealed past trauma. And then we're, here we are trying to have a relationship in the present and all of it is getting filtered through all that, that suppressed it, emotional crap. Yikes. There's so many things I want to, um, <laughs> you keep going through like from major topic to major topic to major. I mean, it, it all within the same, but this is very, very rich. And, and, you know, I should say that uh, Sam and I are very aligned with the, the ideas of energy and, uh, and spirit. So it's, uh, you know, so, so we're excited to even, you know, hear the terms being suffused into the, 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 the conversation. Um, but I wonder about the, the vulnerability part or, uh, you know, pe people feeling uh, that they can't really express, you know, their emotion. When, when I look on social media, it seems just like everyone just expressing, you know, their emotion. You know, so like, how do you see... Uh, the dis how do you distinguish between the, the vulnerability that you think needs to be more in 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 the world, and uh, what I see like you know generations coming in uh, um, displaying emotion as as almost a primary uh, um, element of their expression. Mm, that's a beautiful and, and profound question. Let me wrap up and make the connection before because it's important about what I was saying before about the price we pay for not expressing emotions because those energies have to come out one way or the other. So, and this connects to what you just asked, either what happens is, is we suppress, we suppress, we suppress, and then the next unfortunate one rubs us the wrong way and boom, volcanic eruption causing harm to our relationships. And, and so that's one of those irresponsible ways of expressing emotions that you're pointing, uh, okay. pointing to. So it's um, a failure for society to give uh, um, healthy channels for expression and teaching the healthy development of, of balancing your own energy uh, is, is resulting in these explosions of emotional energy that is just uh, eruptions. We're clueless. We're really clueless. If you would have asked me 30 years ago, and by the way, my dad was a psychiatrist who was also clueless about his emotions. He was a good psychiatrist. I know he was because I've heard people, you know, give me that feedback. They, they used to see him. But with his own emotions, not a clue. And, and myself, you would have asked me 30 years, 30 years ago what I was feeling. I couldn't tell you. I had no idea. Um, and, and we can talk about practical ways to, to increasing our EQ down the road if you want to. Uh, but the other price we pay is if those energies, as they start coming out, either they, we react and then regret what, what we said or did, because that's the inevitable cycle. Right? Where we, we react because we, we take something personally, we feel attacked, we feel undermined, and then we react, get them back. But then once the adrenaline dissipates, then... Then we start feeling bad about ourselves. God, I can't believe I said that. Uh, and, and it's an endless cycle of react and regret uh, and boring. We've done it a thousand times, a million times. Um, and so the other price we pay is that as those energies start seeping out, they start showing up as physical symptoms, cancer, heart attacks, 
ulcers. And I think that's the part that's connected to the longevity differences because women are freer in general in expressing those emotions. We have taken on this definition of like, we not even know who came up with this, that the emotions were weakness. Emotions aren't strength. Emotions are, aren't weakness. Emotions are energy. Depending on how we express them, how we give them voice, they have a good or a not so good effect. But innately, they're just energies coursing through our body. And part of the reason we get into trouble with them is because we suppress them. If you look at a two-year-old, going back to, the, to that unfiltered emotion, you know, emotional expression that you're talking about, John. You look at a two-year-old, they have a total meltdown, a complete tantrum. A minute later, they're playing like if nothing happened. Right? And what is that, right? They're having their emotions fully. We get into trouble with them because we suppress them. And then, and then once we suppress grief, it congeals. It turns into depression. And then, and then no wonder there's so many people on, on antidepressants. Um, we suppress anger and it turns into rage. And that's what causes those, those reactions. We're walking around like cauldrons of, of rage and, and just the slightest you know, unexpected, unexpected trigger and boom, there we go. And that's not good for anybody and certainly not good for our relationships. So in terms of letting some of that out for men, and let's just say your average man today, because, you know, there's so many points, too, about women and their expectations of being able to express their emotions more freely. But for men who can't or they don't know how. What is the first step? What is the first step to be able to release some of that, especially if you don't have a practice or you're not even self-aware that this, this, everything you're describing is happening? That's such a great question, uh, Sam. I mean, the first, the first step is what we're doing, right? It is diffusing this, this misunderstanding that the emotions are weakness. Emotions are just part of being human. They're just energies coursing through our body. So... It's, to me, it's the opposite way. Like we, we've been trained and conditioned to think that emotions are weakness. But it's actually to, to have, to, to develop EQ, right? to, to, de to develop that understanding of what's going on with me emotionally, being able to identify our emotions. And then on top of that, learning how to express it. Not in the way that, that, that John was talking about, where we just like dump them on each other, like irresponsibly um, and selfishly um, and very ungracefully, because it doesn't, it, ungracefully mean the way that they, they can't be received. You know, the other person that just gets dumped on and then dumps back on us. So we just throw the emotions on, on each other's lap and it never, ever ends well. So learning, develop, developing that, that ability, that skill to learn how to communi communicate those emotions responsibly, meaning that we own that it's our emotions. Nobody can make us feel anything. Nobody can make us feel anything. If we don't allow it, if that wound isn't there, that gets triggered when somebody says or, or does something and we take it personally. And so owning, so communicating responsibly, courageously, because yes, it's always going to take courage and gracefully, meaning in a way that they can be heard, is the opposite of weakness. It is the stuff of mastery. Mm -hmm. and what, what do you say to someone who says, well, if I truly shared this, I wouldn't be accepted or... You know, the people couldn't handle it. Yeah, that's the fear. That's the and fear. What do you tell, what do you tell them? What, and, what do you tell someone? And same thing with power, right? That's what we stuff ourselves. Um, same thing with, emo with the emotions. It's like, you know what? There's a big, huge price to pay for that. Um, not only in terms of 
the, or what we're talking about, the emotions and, and how then result in being expressed unhealthily. Um, but in terms of self-expression, like that's where so many people are just walking around depressed because we're stuffing ourselves into smaller little boxes and, and we're adapting ourselves to different situations in our lives. You're like, we're, they, we're this way at the office, we're this way with our coworkers, we're this, we're this way with our, our emotional intimate partners, this way with our parents, this way with our kids, this other way with our friends. It's exhausting, right? And then to remember what we said and, and how we show up with each of them, it's, it's exhausting. <laughs> it is so much more easy to be who we are wherever we are. And of course, not stupidly. We're not going to go sharing every one of our experiences or, or inner thoughts in the workplace. It's just not appropriate. But we get to express ourselves authentically as who we are, wherever we are. And that is incredibly empowering. If we could stay with that for one second, that idea of the multiple personas that uh, people spend so much energy uh, uh, maintaining, um, how does someone, if someone has all these personas and that's what they're spending all their time doing, how do you start deconstructing them? Or how, how do you start, you know, like, it's almost like, did you start with the whole world? Because ultimately it's you trying to just be you or do you, you know, you sequence it or, you know, how, how would you tell someone to go about that? And before you even jump into all the personas, why don't we just start with the work persona? Because that one, I think there's a lot of complexity around that one. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how do you start to manage the work persona? Because work brings its own social constraints and its For own sure. set of rules. For sure. And, and this, it, it encourages artificiality and inauthenticity. Like we have to put on a, f a face when we get into the office and dress a certain way uh, and act a certain way and talk about certain things and joke about certain things. It's, it's exhausting. And, and it's, oh, my God, it's like I, I can't even imagine. I know what it feels like because I used to be that way, but I can't even begin to imagine because it is soul devouring. Being inauthentic the, it just like sucks the very life force out of us. And, and your question, John, is, is profound. Like, like how, how do I know who I am? Some of us don't have any idea. Um, and so it's... Well, the personas it's, take the place of having to figure that out. It exactly. It's already packaged for me. I don't even have exactly. to, to deal with it. Exactly. It's, it's, an, it's a journey, right? And it's heroic journey. Um, you know, in, you know, part of part of I weave in the hero's journey from Joseph Campbell. Uh, you know, he was I mean, it was been around much longer than Joseph Campbell. It's been around in all of our myths and ancient Greek literature and Roman literature. But but he kind of conceptualized for us. So I weave that process of, of discovery and transformation into the book as well. And so, yeah, absolutely. Learning who we are um, is the first step. And nobody can tell us. Nobody can tell us who we are and who we're not. But it's 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 an inner feeling. Like, and so as we dive into ourselves, we begin to fine tune those, you know, whenever I behave this way, that felt kind of yucky. It felt kind of, mm, it didn't feel authentic. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like a authentic expression. I think the more that we start paying attention to that and diving within, the more that we start fine tuning, well, that doesn't feel right. That felt good. When I, when I expressed myself in this way, that felt really good. So it's kind of we start getting internal feedback and external feedback. Because people, even though they may not know who we are and who we're not, they, we feel that. We all feel that when somebody's being authentic, we feel that. Like we, we go to a, 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 some, watching somebody on, on a stage. It's subtle. 
But we can tell if we start paying attention, we can tell when somebody's putting on a show, when somebody is being an authentic, we're just feeding off the applause from the people. And we can tell when somebody's being authentic. There's like, it's a different feeling that that is palpable. Um, and we may not be able to, like, to put those words on it, but we feel it. And so the same thing with ourselves. And so that, that's the first step is be discovery, self-awareness. We can't do anything about what we can't see. And, and so there's no way around that. And that is also heroic, right? It's a lot easier to, to go through life um, at, at the, you know, just kind of being at the effects of life and the whims and the ups and downs uh, and people's expectations and conditioning and, and their demands on us and, and what's, what's expected by society and by our families and culture and religion and all of that, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, all that stuff that most of us don't even question. Where we got those thoughts and those beliefs, they've just been passed on generation after generation for the most part unquestioned. And that's part of the reason why we live like people have it, have a difficult time today because all those definitions and all those roles are being questioned. And thank goodness that they're being questioned. And, and part of what we're going through, what we, what we're going for is we get to define ourselves as exactly who we are. And, and that's heroic to, to be willing to, to dive within, to face ourselves, to, to, to face our own inner demons. Um, it's nothing less than heroic. It is heroic. I'll just say a quick anecdote. Years ago, there was a Broadway show that was starting to get bad reviews uh, because it, the production was going stale. And uh, the director introduced that uh, every actor and actress uh, uh, handed to one another a marble during the show. You know, and so it was just constantly being passed around and the reviews immediately bounced back up and, and audiences re immediately reacted because something actually real was happening, even though these were top of the game actors, you know, out there, uh, the fact that there was an actual interaction happening, they didn't see the audience didn't see the marble being passed. You know, it was obviously done very subtly, um, but just it, it always highlighted to me the power of authenticity, you know, because that's not even like really authentic in terms of what they're speaking about. And actors are by definition are not being authentic in, in the way that, that they're using words, but. I love that. I love that story, John. It's a great story. And I think part of what it forced them to do is it brought them to a deeper level of presence. Exactly. Like not only am I there delivering my lines, but I have to be present to wait for the right moment that I can get away with, with passing this marble to the next one. It, 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 I think there's wisdom in that, in that director, yeah. what he did. I, I didn't mean to redirect, you know, and Sam, I don't know if you were about to say something, but, uh, I'm always on the verge of saying something, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> but there, the, the fundamental and, you know, before you, you could even talk about how to increase your power and some of the things we started talking about, I think this fundamental aspect of people not knowing themselves is so foundational. But I think for most people, I guess what I would ask, do you feel like the average person today and just for our listeners to try to build the self-awareness? does not know who they are. Let's say the average male today, for example. Like if I just talk to somebody on the street, I, would you expect them to know actually who they are? Because I think this concept of knowing who you are, not knowing who you are, is very difficult for people to even understand when they're, when they're not aware of themselves. No, I, I would say, I don't even know what the number is, but I, I would be surprised if it was 1% yeah. of humanity who really knows who they are. 
Um, and most of us are just going going through the motions, acting in certain ways because we think that's what we're expected, what, what a guy is supposed to act like. And that's part of what I did in that chapter is upgrade, you know, some of some of these archetypal or stereotypal, typical um, roles that men play and identify as. So, you know, for example, the the provider. You know, how, how many of us identify as you know? That's that's what makes me a man. Is you know, I bring I bring home the bacon. Uh, but guess what? That's changing. Um, I think it was, I think it was 2017, what I, I have it in the book, but that's the, the last year that I have numbers for, where in 40% of heterosexual households in the U.S., the woman is earning more than the man. And, and, and then the, when you add to the fact, and, and more than 50% of college graduates now are women, so we can see which way this is heading. Um, and so... And I can get it. You know, I feel compassion for, for, for a man who has always identified as that. And then suddenly that shifting combined with, you know, how many, how many jobs being outsourced, how many other jobs being replaced by robotics and now AI. Um, it's like, yeah, a lot of men are having an identity crisis. And, and especially as more women are reclaiming their power, um, men are beginning to like, whoa. Am I going to be left behind? How do I do this? What do I do with my emotions? Because I don't want to be a wimp either. Right? That doesn't mean being. It doesn't mean that we, we we deny our emotions or we turn into doormats. Of course not. Of course not. We're talking about personal empowerment. It's just a, a different way of expressing our power that is not power over, more power with. And if I'm in my power, then I'm not threatened by by anybody else having power. And that, that's one of the differences, too, too, between worldly power and spiritual power. Worldly power believes it's a zero-sum game. So your having power is threatening to me. But wait a minute. Why should it be? If I know who I am, if I'm in my power, then come at me. I can handle whatever comes my way. That's power, that, that confidence of rather than walking in this, thinking this is powerful, like this, it's the power actually of vulnerability, thinking like opening up and, and not in stupid ways, of course. Um, but in, in it's a, it's a fundamental difference in attitude and relationship with life. Like this open openness attitude is basically saying to life, Hey life, come at me. I gotcha. I got this. No matter what happens, I got this. Yeah. And that's inherently powerful. Yeah. And I totally get that. And I think one of the things when I was doing this journey for myself years ago, if you can get some people to understand that the patriarchal template for a man, which is actually quite simple, which is actually, I think, supporting to your point why it's so difficult if you can't achieve it, you know, being the provider, being in control being emotionally constipated for the most part, just the, the traditional view of strength. If somebody could say and realize, okay, that I don't want to be that person anymore, and I realize that this is a template that I've been conditioned to play, what does a real man look like to you? And I know that's a very complex question, but let's say we peel that away and somebody is now left naked and they have to figure out who they are as a man. You know, obviously you can't fit that into one answer, but if you could start to describe from your perspective and your experience, what does the modern conscious man look like? What does an empowered man look like? How does he behave? What is his profile? I love that question. Um, and it hasn't been asked to me quite that way, that directly. I speak about that and I address it in that chapter in, in upgrading these archetypal roles. So going back to the provider for a moment. Well, let's let's expand what it means to be the provider. It's like, wait a minute. And are you going to tell me that you're really going to define who you are as a man by the size of your 
paycheck? Um, really? That's what it means to be a man? That's such, to me, that is such a limited and limiting way of, of holding ourselves as men. Um, and, and so, you know, the explorer, that's another one. Like, you know, we, you know that's so, so much a part of our identity. But now we're in, at least on this planet, we're running out of places to explore and discover. And as we go deep into the deepest ocean or out into outer space, whenever we really get to do that. And not most of us aren't able to do that yet. Uh, but what if we provided a safe space in our families, with our friends, with our circle of loved ones, of loved ones, a safe space for people to feel safe to be who they are, to explore ways of expressing that, you know, that, that sense of openness is such a gift and such a rare, rarity in this world. And that is priceless. That is so, like if we were able to be the rock in our families, in our homes, on which our, our loved ones can step with the security of knowing that we have their back, no matter what choices they make. That is priceless to, to be able to, to go through life with that, that, that knowing that somebody has our back, that is priceless. And any one of us can do that. You know, the explorer, how about diving within? That takes gonads. That takes balls. That takes courage. It's a lot easier to go through life self-medicating in all the creative ways that we do that, numbing ourselves, running away from ourselves and our feelings with drugs and f alcohol, food, sex, social media, even exercise, um, all of it. It's like even workaholism, depending, none of those things are inherently good or bad. How we do them. Depending on how we do them, they have a good or, not, or, or bad effect. And, but if to have that courage to dive deep, with it, dive deep within and discover who we are and then be that in the world, that is nothing short of heroic. And what a beautiful way to, to see ourselves as a man. So, so to me, those are expressions of, of what, it be, what it means to be a man. Um, and, and yes, it means to be strength, strong. Yes, it means to be powerful. And what if we allowed ourselves to, to you know, fill in some of the edges a little bit more, to color in a little bit more so that it's not such a limited way of being a man. What if we allowed the emotions, right? And, and learn to develop mastery around them. What if we allowed sensuality, pleasure, rather than, than wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, right? Like, like dive into the, into the, into the pleasure and the sensuality, which is traditionally associated more with the feminine. But guess what? You know, we, those sensual energies are also coursing through us. But, but it sounds almost like it's not really a matter of male or female characteristics, which could be uh, um, another persona, you know, that, that you have to achieve. But it sounds like when we speak of the, the things that maybe are more healthy expressions uh, of someone's, in, you know, someone individually, it could apply equally to men or women. For sure. Or do you think that there are uh, certain like certain ways a man needs to embrace his identity versus the way a woman would uh, embrace her identity? I think it's a it's a both and. I think I think there are because because there are masculine and feminine energies coursing through all of us, no matter what kind of body we're in. We can all relate to that and we can all enjoy each other, right? So there are points in our life where, um, you know, we're more 
what's considered more masculine energy, more out, you know, more outgoing, more expressive, you know, going there and getting stuff done in the world. Um, the, the, the provider, the protector, those are all quote unquote masculine energies, but women also get to tap into those energies and, and, and play with those expressions. And then there are times where it's, you know, it's good to be, to, to have some downtime and to be more receptive, to learn how to receive love, how to receive affection. It's like, Oh my God. Sometimes I, I, like I, when I meet somebody, I usually hug them, you know, even though we had to stop during the pandemic. And sometimes I hug not, not just men. Sometimes women are like, 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 like a tree trunk too. But in general, more like men are more guarded about that. It's like, wait a minute, relax, dude. Just, just receive the affection, receive the love. There's, you don't have to add layers of meaning to that. Just, just energies. Um, and, and to me, it's, so yes. All of us, you know, to the, the both hand, we all have get to express all those energies, and, and yeah, there's there's ways of that we get to express being a man in a way that that that's fun for us, that's a match for who we are. As and that again goes back to that process of who are we, and how do we know? Because I often wonder, as I see different entities do starting to achieve a, a more uh, representative ratio of men and women in, in power. Um, a lot of times you can't really qualitatively see the difference between a woman in power or a man in power mm. because it might not be about the male or feminine energy that maybe is naturally there, but it's about what it took to get to that position. And so, you know, some, so I, I guess I'm just making a comment about uh, always looking for that underlying healthy uh, energy or, or, or it, the energy is the energy, but the healthy expression of it, uh, and enabling uh, enablement of it versus, you know, uh, necessarily if you, you, you could have 10 women, but still have a lot of male dominant qualities uh, in, in its expression. So for sure. And, and we see that in the business place, you know, it's, it's becoming more balanced now, but like when women started started reclaiming their power, they, they because it, and, and I don't think this was a conscious choice. I think it was just implicit in the way we thought, OK, well, we have to do, we have to dress and act like a man does. And so we have this this hierarchical definition of leadership uh, where it's where it's been studies done, you know, you know, since we were beginning to to talk about all this stuff, that the more feminine, more inclusive, more dialogue um, w style of leadership, uh, the servant leader um, is much more effective in, in, in eliciting performance uh, from from our team and from our uh, coworkers. The, the, you know, this this old way of doing it. You know, like this this hierarchical leaders, my way, and that's it. And you no know, talking about it. It's like it doesn't really work for anybody, um, and it doesn't work in the workplace. And thankfully, you know, like we talked, you know, women, you would see them initially dressed like guys and, you know, very angular uh, business suits and they would cut their hair um, and, and assume those more, quote unquote, masculine expressions of leadership. Uh, now you're beginning uh, to see that soften a lot more. And then you're beginning to see a lot more women get to, you know, realize, you know what, I get to be both. I get to be I get I get to be a kick ass leader and I get to be a gorgeous, sensual woman as well. So there's, there's changing that needs to be done on, you know, with, with both sexes uh, and, and whatever that harmonious expression of energy is. Absolutely. Would be a good result. Yeah. That's a, and women are a little ahead of, of the curve on this. You know, women have been finding their balance. 
um, I think men, heterosexual men, are lagging a little behind now. Um, and, and, and by the way, I think that's the, that's the reason why there's, there, there are political implications of that. Right? People, pe- people who feel threatened and they feel like, all right, um, there's a, it's a limited amount of power, so it's a limited pie. And so having all these you know, women and minorities um, stepping up and assuming roles of power is like, whoa, um, I'm, it, they feel like something is being taken from them. But it comes from that limited perception of, of zero sum, like you're having power takes away from mine. Um, and there's enough for all of us. And, and so that's why you see so many people and men in particular wanting to go back to the way that it was in the 50s when things were so clear and defined and, and when you know, white men had most of the power. Um, yeah, a lot of huge topics. <laughs> yeah. So as we yeah. get close to, to ending here, Christian, for those who are listening who would like to learn in more detail about some of the topics you're talking about or connect with you or connect with your book. Do you have any final words of advice uh, for the audience? Yeah. I mean, just go back to what we're saying from the beginning. There's a way that we can step into our power in a way that's different in a way that doesn't have to be about hierarchical hierarchy and fear and control in a way that doesn't require that we push anybody down, step on them, put our knee to their neck in order for us to feel powerful. And not only is there a way, but we've got to do this, but both for our personal inner peace and health and longevity, but for our collective survival. Um, and so in terms of <clears throat> how to reach me, the book is available wherever books are sold. So if you want to support your local bookstore, you can order it there or you can get it on, on Amazon. Um, in terms of reaching me, uh, probably the best way is my, my website. And from there, they can access my social media. Um, and that, that is soulfulpower.com, S-O-U-L-F-U-L, power.com. And for your listening audience and your, your, for your watching audience, um, anybody who goes to my website and gets on my email list, and we know how easy it is to click on subscribe if it doesn't work for you. Um, but if anybody who does, we'll send them um, a sample chapter from the book. So, and it's a chapter that, talk, that talks about what it means to live heroically in the 21st century. We'll send them some power practices that are designed to, 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 to deepen that level of self-awareness um, and figuring out why we do the things we do um, and, and looking at these subconscious drivers of behavior that sometimes we're not even aware of. Um, and then we'll send them a guided meditation that I created um, probably two years ago now for the, in the midst of the pandemic. And it's about how do we find, how do we move into a place of trust how do we find center in the midst of chaos? Fantastic. That sounds like a really generous offering. Thanks for sharing. And also just thanks for being generous with your time and coming on the show. It was a fantastic conversation. And for those of you listening, thanks a lot for tuning in and we'll see you next week on Business Therapy.